Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Good Wednesday morning out there, Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. Coming up about 945 or so, Coach Maynard will be here. Big Elk Head Coach Zach Maynard to talk about uh, last week's win in Chickasha. Look ahead to the big battle on Friday night with Weatherford in town. Winner sets themselves up in great position to host a playoff game and be second in the district. And then if something were to happen and Clinton stumbled, be right there to take advantage of that as the district champ as well. So a huge game coming up on Friday uh, for Elk City hosting Weatherford. We'll talk to Coach Maynard about that. Uh, we didn't get to the uh, the fatal flaw for each of the eight remaining Power 5 undefeated teams in college football. We'll do that today. Uh, what is the flaw for each of those eight that could get them uh, either beat in a big game or maybe even upset by a team that you wouldn't expect to knock them off. Uh, big games around the state, around the districts, uh, out in western Oklahoma coming up in high school football. Got to found all three polls, so we can kind of compare and contrast the three statewide polls in, in uh, high school football. Boy, the Phillies are just rolling, absolutely rolling. They destroy Arizona last night, 10 nothing. take a 2 nothing lead as the scene will shift down to the desert of Arizona in the NL- NLCS. Kyle Schwarber, he did some things last night with the two home runs. He's on lists with some of the greatest of all time. I'll ask, you, ask everybody a couple of trivia questions about Kyle Schwarber coming up. Uh, and then also, I watched a little junior high football. Congrats uh, to, uh, to uh, one of the teams there. Last night at Big Elk Stadium. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That is 225-9698. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at 225-9698. If you're going to be outside the listening area, a couple ways to stay in touch with the show. Log on to KADSAM.com or download the app. The app has it all. We're talking about radio. All three radio stations right here. The Penny News. Brand new edition of the Penny News hit the website last night at midnight. Check it out, thepennynews.com online. Also, the uh, print edition of the Penny News will start filtering out a lot of places tonight. By tomorrow morning, you can pick up a free, a fresh, free copy of the Penny News. Big Elk and Paragon TV, three games this week. Of course, the Elks and Weatherford. You've got Merritt going to Thomas and Hollis hosting a big one against Balco Forgan in Class B. District 1. So lots of high school football action there, and we're not that far away from high school basketball being on Big Elk and Paragon TV as well. And of course, the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you miss the show entirely, you can check it out uh, a bunch of different ways at a bunch of different places. Just wherever you find your podcast, go check it out. Um, you can find the Skinny on Sports there. How are you today, Jared? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Big game today. Yeah. Big game. Big opportunity. Big opportunity for the old Rangers. I saw one of your fellow Ranger fans last night. Oh, yeah? Coach Ham. He was a little leery about the Scherzer choice. Yeah, well, we'll see. A little leery. We'll see. little bit leery with Max coming in game three. Uh, last night, junior high football right here in Elk City. Last game of the season. 
The seventh graders, it was a struggle all night long. They tied it up at six, midway through the fourth quarter. Went for the onside kick to get the ball back. Kick didn't go 10 yards and then cashed through about a 30-yard touchdown pass. I mean, it, the the safety, the big elk, sa- or the junior elk, whatever they are, this elk safety. I mean, it looked like the ball grazed his fingertip as he jumped up to try to knock the pass away near the goal line. And great concentration by the kid from Cash because that's got to be distracting him. He's right in his way, had his hand up. And it, it, when, when the ball was in the air, it was like, oh, yeah, he's going to tip that. And it's like the wind just blew it just enough. Like ah. carried it just over his hand. Cash scored a touchdown with like a minute left. And so the, the seventh graders lose 14-6. to six. Uh, They end the season 6-2, and two, uh, which is still very, very, very successful. Then the eighth grade, they had a whale of a battle uh, against Cash. And uh, our man Riley Smith – scored the game winning uh game tying touchdown for the Yelks to make it 20 to 20 and then he got the two point conversion as well. Nice. 22-20 the 8th grade Elks win and cap off an 8 and 0 undefeated season uh, for the 8th graders. So great job by uh, by both the middle school congrats to to those that 8th grade bunch from going undefeated there. Uh, probably you know they're good at everything uh, with some of those kids that are out there. So it'll be yeah. fun fun to watch them the rest of the year and then of course also then you start thinking about a year or two down the road, you know, which one of those guys, which how many of those guys are we going to see out there uh, at the varsity level for the Big Elks and, and the impact that they can have. So uh, good stuff uh, by the by the middle school, the junior high football. Uh, Coach Green took that over this year. Uh, it feels like he did a whale of a job uh, kind of creating the culture. I, I'm going to ask uh, Coach Maynard about that, kind of what the goal of that is Okay. Um, once he gets here. But it was fun. It, it was a fun – lots of people, you know, it, it – it, there was kind of an anticipation a little bit for that eighth grade game just because of you know trying to complete an undefeated season. Last year they went six and two. Their two losses were to Altus and Cash. And so they got revenge the last two weeks of this season to carry it out and, and get eight and oh. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, Cash, uh, number two, I can't remember what they were saying his last name was. That dude could fly. And he made a play right before halftime where it looked like his body was in the matrix. <laughs> like he was running toward the pylon. It was in the north end, like the west, the front west pylon. And he was running, got pushed at about the five, and it looked like there was – I mean, he's just going to go out of bounds. Right. And somehow he contorted his body, his left foot – I think it was his left foot. It might have been his right, though. It hit, hit the – clearly in bounds at like the three – and somehow he contorted his body like the Matrix to get the other foot and his arm inbounds right as he just like right inside the pile. It was unbelievable. Like where we were, where I just happened to be standing to see that coming kind of right at you. And the way he, his body control is incredible uh, to score that touchdown. But uh, it was, wasn't a losing effort as the eighth grade Elks end up undefeated. Yeah, Swift or something. That's right. Dustin just uh, sent me a message. Very, like, uh, very appropriate. It, it, yeah, name. it was. It yeah. was. It was like Swift or it was something like that. Yeah. Uh, but he was. He was good. But the Elks were just a tick better. So congratulations to them. Uh, did you watch any of the baseball last night? I d- I had it on. Yeah. Yeah. And then when when the Phillies came out and looked like they've done every single win in their postseason run here, and they come out smashing. I didn't lose interest. I was just like, okay, well, let's study our spelling words, girls, because this game is over. It, when it was like 2 nothing, it was like, 
it, Diamondbacks, the, the, it looked like that it sucked the life out of them. You know what I mean? There was just no pep in their step. Their dugout was dull. You can tell by their body language. And credit Philly. I mean, they put the pressure on them early, but man, that crowd is crazy. They're, they're insane. They stay on top of you. They stay engaged. They stay loud. They One guy jumped on the field and got tagged. I mean, oh, my gosh. He got wrecked. Re- I mean, he got, he got hammered. He did. But, I mean, it's just it's a crazy environment. But outside of all that, it's a really good team. I mean, they're, I describe them as scary. Uh, that was texting me last night. That was a word that was in my head. It's like, this is a really scary, scary team. So, I, I don't know if it was the first or the second Schwarber bomb. Saw it pop up on um, on ESPN stats and info uh, that Schwarber's home run that was now fourteen over the last four games for the Phillies, four postseason games, which is the most all time. So I, I, I didn't, I just, I didn't go back to see if it's actually fifteen or if that was the second one that made it fourteen. But either way, uh, they just been bashing the ball, Schwarber. All right, I've got some trivia here. I'm afraid my description might help you on one of them. So last night, two home runs from Kyle Schwarber. That's now 18 career postseason home runs for Schwarber. That ties the all-time postseason home run record for a lefty. So the most postseason home runs hit by a left-handed hitter Mm. ties the record. Do you know who he tied? I do because I think you wrote it down. So I I don't want to. So two two five. Yeah yeah yeah. Let's yeah. get some guesses here. Two two five nine six nine eight. Schwarber now hold or it's in tied at the top of the all time postseason home run record for lefties. He hit eighteen career postseason home runs as a left handed hitter. One other guy did the exact same amount of home runs as a lefty. Now last night was his tenth league championship series home run. That ties a guy by the name of Albert Pujols for second all-time in league championship series with 10 home runs. Do you know who holds the record there? The record is 13. That tied it. The record is 13 all-time league championship series home runs. We have actually said his name this week. We've said a lot of names this week. It's only Wednesday. Oh, here it is. It's Poppy the lefty. It is not Poppy. Older. It's not Chipper. Think. See, here's the problem. Chipper probably hit that many, but some were right-handed, some were left-handed. That's true. That's true. The text line is on it. Text line is on it. That's right. Sammy, Reggie Jackson. Reggie. Reggie. Mr. October. There you go. Will's got it. Yeah, I was going to say, think about October. That should have been. Reggie. I mean, good grief. Here it comes. Yeah, everybody knows this one. Okay, so that's, now that's, like that's where the name you go to immediately when you think of these if you numbers. Just, you got to, but here's the thing: a lot of those home run, a lot of the home run numbers are skewed more recent because of the rounds of the playoffs are so much more now than they were back when Reggie played. Mm-hmm. So that's why know, even crazier. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Yeah, that that shows you that uh, Reggie was on top of it with he, the, the yeah. amount of playing with the amount of games that he gets to play or that he didn't get to play actually. Uh, back then. Okay, so now, <clears throat> any guesses for everybody? Who holds the all-time record for league championship series home runs? Schorber tied Albert Pujols last night for second with 10. This guy's hit 13. Any guesses? Fire him in. 225-9698. Mm. This is the name everybody knows. 
while we're waiting on guesses. Uh, how yeah. you feeling tonight? Must win game for the you say must win, and <clears throat> I guess that's not technically true because of 2004 and the Red Sox coming back from down 3-0 in the league championship series against the Yankees. But outside of that anomaly, this is a must win for the Astros tonight in Arlington. Right, the chant the the analytics say that this is a must win to, to try to extend this thing. Uh I guess I would describe myself as cautiously optimistic. I'm not trying to jinx it. But getting the two wins on the road, if it was the other way around, if it was being up two O Going to Houston. And then going to Houston, I'd be okay, well, we know it's coming, but because I have faith in Scherzer, I have faith in the in the clubhouse knowing when to put him out there, like I said yesterday, and it being back in Arlington, which is crazy. I mean, it's just nuts to me to think about. They're on this seven-game win streak in this postseason, haven't lost a postseason game, and they've only played one in Arlington. That blows my mind. So I think the fans are going to be kind of like the Philly fans, maybe not as crazy, but they're, they've been, they're, they are uh, – hungry for some more live baseball in that beautiful stadium so cautiously optimistic but you know it's still the astros it's it's still a team who probably aren't panicking like maybe a younger team or a team that's not used to being in um the championship series as many times as they have been so cautiously optimistic i I expect a fun atmosphere yeah like like i just got astros you're gonna have to beat them yeah. They're not going to just quit. Well, this is the league champion. This is the LCS. This is not well, and a it's, regular season but it's series. That but it's that team. It's that team, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I think they're like Diamondbacks. Yeah, here's the deal. I don't Philly. know if they're going to. Here's the deal, Philly fans. <laughs> I don't know. You look scary and great, but it is just the Diamondbacks. Well, did they leave all? Did they give everything they got in L.A.? You well, know, did they leave it over there on the West I Coast? Mean, you can say that all you want to. They also dismantled the 104-win Braves, who won more games yeah. than anybody in the That's regular true. season as well. That's true. I, I, but like the Phillies, is it, is the, it too? Is, is it too? Let me uh, let me say this, and I think I may believe. I think I may believe this. Even though the Rangers are up 2-0, I think whoever wins tonight wins the series. Because either Texas takes an almost insurmountable 3-0 lead, or Houston gets things turned around. Uh, I'm not going that far. With an Astros win? No. Because I guess I don't know if this applies at this level, but sometimes I want to see a loss. Like, okay, we're back to reality now. We know we can lose, so let's regather ourselves. We got two more games at home. We're good. So I'm not, I'm not rooting for a loss by any means, but I'm not ready to go that far. I think the just like I mean, it's the final four of this thing. I, they're all four teams are worthy of being here, so I'm not ruling them out if they lose. Um, and then just going, still being up two one, it's hard for me to do. It really is, and I and and I'm still kind of stuck on the, you know, this rhetoric of the Astros just don't seem like the Astros of the past that have you know they struggle. I mean, they had they had to root for the Mariners to to do what they did against the Rangers to clinch the AL West. Where in the past they've ran away with the West. It, it hasn't been a dominant Astros team as we've seen in the past. Still very good? Absolutely. They have to be. They are. 
But as dominant as they were in the past, again, they feel off just a little bit. So I I don't know. I just Don't forget. Not as intimidated, I guess, is the word I'm trying to Don't forget. What I'm reaching they for. They were the second best team on the road in the AL and they've been awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> on the road in this playoff run, not just this year, but in years past. They've won a bunch of big games on the road. So that's where I go with I just and maybe I'm giving maybe I'm giving them too much credit for what they have done versus what they're doing now. And maybe this is kind of the the last stand of you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is it is kind of the end. I, I just don't believe it yet until I see it. That's, that's kind of why I'm. I, it's hard. I I love the I love the format, and I was elated that the Rangers took the first two games because you got three back in Arlington. I think they take. I'll say I'll give you this. I think they take two of three. Who? Rangers. Okay. At home. Well, then that'll be it. I think they take two of three at home. We shall see. Uh, high school football but this week. And I'll finish my thought with this. If they win tonight, I might come in here yelling sweet. Oh, listen, it doesn't – if they win tonight, it doesn't – It's it's the series is over. I mean, I, I – they, If they win tonight, I would be euphoric over. if they swept them. <clears throat> well, I you mean, better that, worry about yeah, winning. Yeah, but that's just insane to me. Going I don't in, think you want to uh, – well – but, I I, but, again, I'm being more realist here. That's why I say two of three. I don't think they're going to sweep them. But I don't see them losing two of three or three all at home. Yeah, and I, I, I know the numbers you see. You think they'll take all three? Are we going to uh, triple burrito bet no, here? I, I, would, I, would do, I would do a burrito bet. This would actually give you a chance to be ahead of burrito that this series gets back to Houston. I'm not ready to go all the way that the, that the Astros are going to win this series. But I think it gets back to Houston for sure. You mentioned the road stuff, and I mentioned the Rangers have won six of seven on the road. It's it's crazy how <laughs> no, this is a really good home team against a really good road team as far as the, yeah. the standings in the, in the regular season anyway. Yeah. Uh, almost identical records for Texas at home versus Houston on the road. Uh, Texas in the regular season, 50 and 31 at home. Houston was 51 and 30 on the road. So that's I mean, that's really really interesting, uh, kind of strength on strength here, and I just it's hard for me to believe it's just hard for me to believe that they'll they'll bow out like that, but they may. Uh, high school football. Let's look at the rankings. I, I found all the polls. Hmm. The four A polls are pretty interesting. They're they're pretty. How oh, the, the the teams are very consistent at the top eight. The order is just a little bit different. Between the AP, the Oklahoman, and the Tulsa World, uh, all three have Wagner one, Poto two. That's that's the one consistent that mm-hmm. is there. Wagner one, Poto two. All three have Wagner one. World, Oklahoman, and AP. What date am I looking at here? I don't know. Did I did I just take that for granted? Somebody has Poto one, AP. Do they really? And I said that yet last week. I must have missed that. It, then I, I said that last week. <clears throat> I just didn't take. I didn't pay enough attention to it. Considering how Wagner looked and how Poto's looked, it's going to give more people pause to go. Well, maybe that's, Poto's the best team. That's ridiculous. AP hasn't won. Does it show the points? It's by two points. That's. I'm going to tell you right now. That's ridiculous. When you consider everything that goes into those two, one of them's a defending champion. One of them beat the hell out of the other one in the playoffs a year ago. Come on. AP has elk at ten. Yeah, I do see that. That's so top eight. 
Wagner, Poto, Blanchard, Ada, Tuttle, Newcastle, Clinton, and Cushing. They're, everybody's got them in the top eight. Most have Clinton. Uh, AP and Oklahoma have Clinton seven. Tulsa World has Cushing seven ahead of Clinton. I think that's more of a geography than anything. Um, Blanchard two and AP and or three, excuse me, and AP and Oklahoma. Ada gets the number three nod in the Tulsa World. Probably a little bit of that same stuff there. Uh, Bethany is nine in the AP in the Tulsa World. Salisaw jumps into at nine in the uh, in the Oklahomans poll. Weatherford's actually ten in the Oklahoma, as you mentioned, the Elks ten in the AP poll. Salisaw uh, out of the the Salisaw and Bethany are in two of the three at nine or ten. The Big Elks are in one of them. Weatherford's in the other. So uh, it, it feels like everybody kind of I don't know expects a certain eight to be in the semifinals or I meant quarterfinals Uh uh-huh Clinton the only survivor out of 4A1 in the first round with Tuttle Newcastle and Blanchard winning their games in 4A2 if you go by the polls we'll see uh in class A the only team of it's Fairview Fairview is number one in all polls they're in the district with these guys, but they're not close. Class B, the same three are top three in all. It's just a little different order in the Tulsa world. You've got Sealing, Dewar, and Laverne, number one, two, and three in the AP and the Oklahoman. Uh, Tulsa world has Laverne in the middle. Sealing one, Laverne two, Dewar three. Shattuck shows up number four in the Tulsa world. They would be number six in the AP. They're just out, they only rank five. They're the next one. They're all the way down at ten in the Oklahoman. They've got a chance this week against Turpin to maybe start bumping up in there. And then the Class C poll, top three, the same in every in the order in every single one of them. It's Tempton, T- uh, Timberlake, and Ryan. Mountain View, Godibo, four in the AP, four in the Oklahoman, fifth in the Tulsa world. So that's that, that C is really consistent uh, with, I think, Wilson was number four in the Tulsa world. Uh, edging Mountain View down to five, so uh, a lot of the, a lot of similar thoughts as far as the Class C and the top of Class B, as well. Anything that kind of, when you look at it, does anything surprise you? Does anything kind of raise your eyebrow? I'm I am um, a little I'm a little surprised, but, and, and I understand why, because of those team the the love for four A two. I'm I'm a little surprised Clinton hasn't started to edge up the rankings just a little bit when you consider the only two losses they have are to four what three A number one, and then a Bishop McGinnis team that's been in the top ten and five A all year. Right, and I think a lot of that is a regional thing. They just look at their record and not who they did it against and and all that stuff. Um, but you know when the teams above them aren't losing either, it's hard to move those teams down. You know, so it. it kind of like oh you football it all kind of shakes out they just you know just kind of do your thing um so it, it i guess what i'm saying I, i'm not really that surprised that's where they're at and then you know 4a2 has consistently shown us that they're pretty dang good you know with tuttle and newcastle and blanchard and you know, there's bethany all f- top four of their teams are ranked in the top 10 uh, so and three of them above seven so I guess I'm not too shocked by that, uh, man. The the based on the AP poll, the sets up for a big. I know we're going to talk about big games, but in Class C, Tipton and Mountain View, we're going to 
uh, go at it on Friday night. That that's a could be a big shake up if uh, Mountain View could pull off the upset in that one. But yep. everything else just seems pretty much to chalk, you know, just is kind of what we expected. Four A one games this week. Obviously, Weatherford at Elk City is the biggest one as far as the standings go. Chickasha at Clinton, Cash at John Marshall round out the week. Woodward has the the district week off this week. Um, in Class A, uh, so well, let's go back right quick. For Weatherford Elk City, the Elks have won the last two. Weatherford won eight straight from 12 to 19. They didn't play in 20 because of uh, of COVID. And then the Elks won two straight before that. So uh, Elk City won, two, won in 10 and 11. Then an eight-game winning streak for Weatherford sandwiched in the last two wins for the Elks. That's been kind of a, a streaky series. If the Elks can win on Friday, first time in a quarter century, though, that they'd be able to get that third one in a row. They've never been able to to get three in a row um, in that in that streak. Clinton, 5-1 and one against Chickasha since the Chicks came to 4A1 in 16, 2016. For all intents and purposes, a win will lock up second at worst in the district for Clinton with two games left. At that point, they'd have to lose them both, and, and whoever wins Friday night win them both uh, to be able to leapfrog Clinton if they happen to stumble at the end, which it doesn't seem real possible. In Class A, District 1, Merritt goes to Thomas. Uh, a loss, and they're pretty well out of the playoff chase because of who they've already lost to. Sayre hosts Moreland. If they if they were to lose, they're not all the way out because of their schedule uh, with with a chance against Texoma, but it'd be, they'd, it, things would have to break just right. Uh, but a win sets up the game next week with Texoma on the road to where if the Eagles are able to win that one, then all they'd have to do is, is defeat Burns Flat at the end the, in Week 10 to wrap up a playoff spot. So uh, Sayre's, Sayre's schedule is way more manageable than Merritt's because Merritt's got at Thomas, they still got to play Fairview, and they also still have to play Hooker. So that's that's a tough, tough ask for the Oilers. That's why that loss last week was so huge uh, for them. And then you mentioned the Class C game with Tipton and Mountain View Godibo. In Class B, basically a playoff game, in my mind, between Hollis and Balco Forgan. Uh, the Tigers host that game Friday night. We'll have it on Paragon TV. A win there, and now they – they're they're in there with Shattuck, Turpin, and Laverne. The loser of that kind of falls down there in the Beaver side of things, where it looks like they'll be on the outside looking in. So huge game for for Hollis on Friday night. A win, you're in the playoffs, and then you're figuring out if you can bump up from the four spot. So big ones, and that's yeah. not no surprise. We're in week eight. No surprise that we start getting oh, yeah, some get, of these big district games. They get more important, and it's fun when they're. They're like this. We got winning teams with winning records playing against each other late in the year, not the beginning of the year. You kind of wish that tr- the I forty trio played the last, yeah, the, like end week, of the, the last, what three? week eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. Like starts this week with Elk yeah. City, Weatherford, yeah. and then you get Weatherford and Clinton or Big Elks and Clinton. Yeah, I, I would agree. It, it doesn't seem like it's ever been that way though. It seems like one of them's early and one of them's later. Yeah, at least for the Elks, and then Weatherford Clinton always right kind of. Kind of like, the like the second OU, or, Texas yeah, weekend, yeah. Second or third game in the district normally for those two. Yeah. Still haven't had a guess at the question that I asked in the first segment. Kyle Schwarber hit his 10th home run in the league championship series last night, tying Albert Pujols for second all-time. Who holds that record for most league championship series home runs? The number is 13. So Schwarber got away. There's one guess. What was it? it one. Oh, Mickey Mantle. Mickey yeah, there Mantle. it is. 
Mickey Mantle is not correct. I missed that one. Oh, we have a winner. And it is? We have a winner. Manny Ramirez. Ah. Manny Ramirez with 13. John David got it. Not surprised. He's up on that kind of thing. Well, you know, we gave him plenty of time to Google it. <laughs> He's already <laughs> mad at you about the Astros Rangers stuff. You better sit uh. down over there. Uh, all right, let's go. Oh, oh he, <laughs> yeah. well, that makes even more sense. He cheated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wemo. Yeah, he's he's going to have some choice words for you on, on my text line. I knew it. <laughs> all right, let's look at fatal flaws. All right, there are eight, uh, eight remaining Power 5 undefeateds in college football as we hit the third week of October. And at this point in the season, let's look and see, okay, what what do we think – could derail each of these teams. I used a, an article, I'm not going to lie to you, for some of these numbers from Bill Conley on ESPN's website. Mm-hmm. He just, I mean, it, it, when, if I thought, oh, probably they don't run it very good. Well, then you looked up and he actually had the numbers for you, so it would make us sound smarter. You know what I'm saying? Well, you gave him credit. So just gotta, just yeah. give him credit. But uh, All right, you want to start at, uh, like, where do you want to go? Uh, Anybody in your in your mind? Let me let me bring up my list. Go ahead, go ahead. You start. Okay, let's start with North Carolina. North Carolina ranked tenth in the AP poll this week. Uh, obviously, Drake May. People people are starting to finally get to see him because of some of these big games, including the one against Miami on Saturday night, and and realize the talent that Drake May is a quarterback. I have a feeling uh, he may be one of those guys that starts bounding up the Heisman Trophy list. He's already uh, considered the second-best quarterback coming out in the draft uh, behind Caleb Williams. So offensively, they've been awesome. Uh, defense, though, it feels like this has been a, a constant since Mac Brown went back to North Carolina, that they've been a little bit light on the defensive side. Uh, pass defense especially right now. Uh, 58% of their completions against that they, that they give up go for first downs. 18% go for 20-plus yards. So pass defense could be their, in my mind, fatal flaw moving forward for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, I will go, and you're doing a more specific thing, and that's okay. I have some of those too, and, and I'll openly admit when I have not seen a team enough, I've only seen the Tar Heels play a couple times. Uh, you look the analytical side, and I did a couple of these I did. Uh, but I will go with, um, and you're going to find this on a couple of these, but the perception of, of the Tar Heels, have they been challenged? Have they? Have uh, Playing in the ACC, uh, what's the rest of their schedule look like? This computer crashes. They don't play, and they don't play, which Louisville was one of the undefeateds that went by the wayside last week. But that trio of Louisville, Florida State, and North Carolina don't play. I mean Duke? No, they play Duke. No. Before last week, Florida oh. State, Louisville, and North Carolina were all undefeated. And that trio doesn't play each other. Right. But, yeah, they do have Duke. That's at home. I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood what you're saying. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that's the only ranked team left. And Duke goes to Florida State this week? That's correct. So, will Duke be ranked when North Carolina plays them? Yeah, it's a couple weeks away. Maybe not. So, I'm wondering if it's like fool's gold of what we're seeing with everything. So, 
It's just like the perception. Just them being in the ACC, I think that's kind of a flaw. All right, what about Florida State? Florida Stay there. is kind of the same way, but it, you know, some of when I'm looking into this stuff, it's like I'm getting nitpicky with them. Well, that's the point. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's, uh, but they've been a little bit more challenged. But when it comes to playoff selection, in in if there's a question, I, if Florida, Florida State will have to go undefeated, so it's it's that perception of being the ACC is is kind of a flaw for me. What about you? What do you got? Yeah, for the difference for Florida State is they do have a win over LSU. They that, have that win over LSU and Clemson that nobody else has right now. Well, not nobody else. Ohio State has the non-conference win over Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's a that's a big feather in their cap. Running game. They hit some big plays running game, but uh, they don't. They can't. They're not much of a grinded out running team. So if it gets in a spot <clears throat> where they need to really run the ball, I don't. I don't know that you can count on huge plays in the run game those are more of an anomaly than, than a team that can consistently grinds it out for like five yards of carry and whatnot uh, let's go to Oklahoma uh, kind of in the same vein there it's not so much the running game because we've seen some talent from the running backs I would say run blocking on designed runs it which is so weird to say because the quarterback ha- the, the quarterback run has been really good this year I don't know if a lot of that came from pass breakdown and he just goes some of that is designed but really for the running backs the run blocking for the running backs is a big flaw for OU for me yeah. only yesterday we were kind of flirting with the idea of the kicking not special teams but I don't think that was really fair because special teams as a whole hasn't been bad we, we said that too when we talk about punt blocks and punt returns and, and that stuff so you don't want to kind of fault them just because a couple of guys are having some trouble kicking the ball but the run blocking the the guys up front creating lanes it's been an issue this year and and i blame the offensive line for their run blocking ability their pass blocking has been great the run blocking has been questionable it's been um a flaw and it's not on the running backs because i mean is it not I don't know. I mean, last last year, the way that season ended in that bowl game, they looked really good, and we thought, man, the running game could be really good with those guys. But maybe health has something to do with that, too. It's not the same guys. That's the most baffling thing that there is yeah. in OU football. What happened to the running back rotation? I know it looks like Barnes has been nicked. I, it's it's baffling. I that That's probably the answer. But the one thing about that we've seen – because they haven't ran the ball all year, and they've been able to get away with it. And maybe that turns out to be the fatal flaw. When they really need to run, they can't. Pass rush is another thing. 85th in sacks. But they get they, – it's it's really – it's an interesting anomaly because one of the two, they're tied for third in, in tackles for loss in the country. They're ninth in pressure rate. But they're 85th in sacks. So they're getting pressure, but they're not tackling the quarterback. Yeah. Is there a stat for sacks – it's sack. Like, like, this is sack per, per drop back, mm-hmm. 85th. So, I mean, it, maybe that – It's you know, like they answer the call when you need them to. I don't know. All right, Penn State. Can we do them last? Sure. Okay. Georgia. Uh, man, um, that's a tough one. And just because of what was announced this week, I, I might say tight end. 
Yeah, that in, was, that injury is huge. That injury is huge, but that's more of a question. Like, can they? Who who's going to step up mm-hmm. in that position? Will that will that alter what the new quarterback wants to do? It's nice. Imagine being your okay. I just took over for a re, two time returning national champions, and I have Bowers to throw to. Well, now he's gone. You know, I have Bowers as my safety net or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now he's gone. So I uh, maybe maybe tight end depth could be a flaw. I'm not going to label it a flaw, but we'll see. And I saw some stats last night. I was watching some college football pregame stuff or whatever, and uh, they were talking about everybody else, all the other wide receivers who who would step up. And they're so I I don't know. I'd say tight end might be the flaw. I had that injury and I had history. Yeah, nobody's done it in the AP era. Or in the going modern, three, yeah. yeah, win three in a row. Yep. Uh, okay, Coach Maynard's here. We'll we'll do the second half, which will be this. This actually works out perfect because so tomorrow we'll hit the Big Ten teams and the lone remaining Pac-12 undefeated. It worked out well. Give me more time to really break these teams down. You had a whole day. I well, told you this yesterday. Well, um, don't yeah. get me started about my day. You had a whole day, Jared. The whole day, what I do. Hey. Enough Ranger message board <laughs> trolling yeah, that's or it. whatever. That's what I'm Trolling doing. the Astros. Yeah. Joined now by Big Elk head coach Zach Maynard. Coach, how are you this morning? Good. How are you guys? Uh, doing well. At junior high season ended up last night. Uh, seventh grade, six and two. In the, in the eighth grade, an undefeated eight and oh. I guess, what, what's like your philosophy for those guys? Is it is it about the wins and losses or is it more about – uh, Coach Green and his staff starting to build that culture that you then want those guys to step into once they get to varsity. Well, yeah, it's 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 <clears throat> culture is the name of the game. I don't care if it's um, a business, uh, a school system entirely. I mean, you can even go like what Mr. Sparks has done with with Elk City Public Schools. It it starts in kindergarten, and each year we work up, and and eventually you get the product at the end. Um, so it's it's the same philosophy. Um, starts in seventh grade and. And, and, and we move up, and, and they learn how to play the game and do it the right way and be good young men and do things right in the classroom. Um, all that's a culture thing. Um, however, you know, talking with, with, with as good as our junior high staff, staff is, um, that's what I wanted them to make sure that they did a really good job of, the scheme and, and then those things and the terminology needs to be somewhat the same. However, um, if, if you're doing things right from a culture standpoint, um, I really don't care what they were in, and, and they know that. <clears throat> um, win football games. I think winning is important, uh, especially at that age, because you you don't. I don't know. The, the world's changed so much, and it's gotten crazy, even in the short time that I've been an, an adult. Um, but winning's important for, you know, the psyche of the game and belief, and um, just just who we are and where we are now as a society. And so, um, winning is is. Winning's a big, big part of everything. So, you know, very proud of those guys and those coaches and those players. Um, felt like we didn't have hardly any issues um, with, with kids not doing the right thing. And and um, I'm just, just, just really proud of the way they've handled themselves this year. Kind of pull back the curtain. We'll stay with the junior high before we move on. How involved are you do, or do you just trust your junior high staff and go, all right, you know what we do, do it? Well, you know, you've got great coaches down there. Um, you know, Coach Green, who's been with the high, was with the high school staff the last two years with me. 
Um, you know, Coach McClure, who's the head baseball coach, does an outstanding job, was an offensive coordinator here at one point. Um, you know, and, and you got great men down there, good character men. So, and, and, and junior high and high school athletics are the same hour. So I really don't have much hands-on with them. Um, however, we, we do meet, um, you know, in the spring and in the summer as coaching staffs to make sure it's all lined out and everything's has their ducks in a row. And um, so I'm not, not very hands-on personally with there, but I am with the staff, if that makes sense. Hanging out with Coach Maynard of the Big Oak football program. Let's go back to last week right quick. Uh, 61 runs, 404 yards. Uh, for you, we know what your philosophy is. We know how you want to watch and want your teams to play football. How excited were you to see a fourth down stop in the third quarter and then your team run 18 plays, go 97 yards, and every one of them was a run? Yeah, no, it's a um, it's beautiful football. I mean, uh, it's, it's bow your back, it's bow your neck. Uh, defensively and get the stop when it's needed um and then and then it's uh, smash mouth in your face hey here we come um offense and, and and it's why the game it's playing the game the way it was intended to be played in my opinion the way the game was created historically um uh, and and so you know i think i think our kids are really starting to you know, Coach Weber, my head football coach, sent me a really nice text after the game, and, and he just said they're starting to take on your personality, which is which is what you want to see as a, as a head coach. You don't care what sport it is. You want your kids to have the personality, and they're obviously not going to be like me, uh, but the personality of the team as a whole, uh, being tough and being physical and being demanding of each other and, and, and um, all of the things that I think make the game great and make great teams, um, you can see that starting to happen with our football team. Speaking of personality and, and doing that and being tough, it, it can it frustrate. And I think we saw that between the plays and even at the end of plays, it was frustrating. Chickasha, their defense and their personnel were just getting incredibly frustrated. How do you? What do you? What do you say to your guys? Like, hey, don't fall into that trap. You know, don't mm-hmm. don't don't fall into that 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 stuff after the whistle that can get you in trouble. And a couple times, maybe a couple guys did. And it's an emotional game. It's physical. I get it. But how, how do you keep your guys at a level head when you have that dominating drive like you did? Well, it's just it's the standard that you preach from from day one. You know, you, you can't um, – certain things you can't do. You know, I think we scored on six of seven drives. We had seven drives in the game. We scored on six, seven. Should have scored on all seven. However, penalty mm-hmm. keeps us from scoring. Um, and, and so – and defensively, I don't, I don't know the actual statistics and I'm not going to get into – why or how or you know whatever but um it was uh it was just very it's frustrating when you get to those position points in the game and we make a mistake and it, and it costs us and I think that those are great teaching points moving forward whereas hey look it's it's good to be emotional it's good to play this game with intensity and with passion but it has to be done between the whistles within the rules of the game so that we can ultimately win the game was there uh was there anything because it felt like <clears throat> from a, a discipline and, and the penalties especially there was a huge difference after halftime uh, you know there was some pre-snap fall, you know jumping offside penalties it, was there something that was you know mentioned at halftime or is that just guys kind of settling in and then not not letting that emotion over kind of overtake what they were doing on the field oh I mean it was definitely addressed at halftime um you know, the same way we always address it, we address it every week. And, and, and when you play this style of football, the other team 
is nobody likes to get hit in the mouth right. over and over and over again and 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 so um and like you said the other team gets frustrated and then you know the, the next thing you know you're doing things you shouldn't be doing things that aren't acceptable um which obviously they were addressed on our end um and really that's the only end that i care about and hanging out with coach maynard let's look ahead to this week um weatherford coming to town beat them the last two years um they it, the skill position guys that they have it just you look out there and of course 88 is uh, cj is huge and, and can make plays but the guy that that seems like really kind of gets them going and, and scares you to death every time he touches it is 15 nick jet talk about him as a compliment to what nixon does on, on the other side of him well it just it makes it really hard to, t- to key in on 88 too much because you know like last year uh, i know he got loose on a post down the field because we had the safety and the corner jump 88 on a little hitch and um you know he just ran the, the 15 ran right by us and um, so it's a great compliment. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like what Cooper Patton was to Levy Owens a year ago. It's kind of is what our little bit of our passing game is to our run game right now and the ability to stretch the field. Um, he's phenomenal. He's a great punt returner, great kick returner, uh, great player, um, plays hard, plays safety form as well. Uh, very good player and, and, and a great compliment to their other skilled kids. You know, they've got some good backs, nine and uh, – 27 are both really good backs and um you know so we'll we'll have to be um attention to detail oriented knowing exactly what we're getting knowing what we're supposed to be doing on the back end and and stopping the run still and so uh you know weatherford's got a great coaching staff those guys do a phenomenal job have for years we we we, um want to be on our p's and q's you know unfortunately that it looks like what we're hearing is that their starting quarterback is not is going to be out uh, for friday night's game uh, due to injury, does that do, – and, you know, most coaches will say, well, we're not going to change anything. We're going to continue to do what we do. But does that change maybe what, how you think they could approach it uh, offensively to attack you guys with a new guy taking some snaps? Well, and if, if so, I mean, how do you prepare for that? Well, if he if he's out, I, I mean, I could see them doing a plethora of different things. However, it's week eight. Um, at this point – I mean, it took us longer than most people to be say, hey, look, this is who we are. It's what we are and it's what we're going to be about. I think most people kind of have a lot of that set in stone. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily change anything from a practice plan. Now, it may change some in-game stuff or some adjustment stuff as we go, um, just depending on, you know, what that kid's doing, what, how they're trying to use him, especially early. Um, but, you know, I expect him to be just – I expect him to be uh, – a great player, uh, well coached, knowing exactly what to do and where to do it, and um, you know, I don't, it didn't it didn't necessarily change much from us from a practice plan point. Weatherford's defense has been really good, especially against the run. I mean, the the Clinton Weatherford game was really decided on a bad snap and a, and a fumble on a jet sweep. Defensively, they held up against that run game. This is the toughest challenge, run defense wise, since you guys have kind of uh, been in the bone. So uh, what are you looking for out of your guys this week to take on the, the front and then probably the front seven or eight that Weatherford puts in the box? Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to be extremely physical, um, you know, and and, and, and the, it doesn't change. It's just the fact that, okay, well, now they're going to put just as many people as everybody else is. They're just going to come with a little more intensity, a little more lead in, lead in their britches. And, and, and so we have to be willing to uh, meet that challenge head on and, and, and continue to know that, hey, two and three – Four yards is a good play, um, and 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 live in live in front of the down and distance, and 
uh, not beat ourselves, do things right, um, make big plays when we have opportunities to make big plays, um, and, and, and just play the game you know, essentially the same way. Um, not real sure exactly how they'll line up. They've lined up in a four some. They've lined up in a, the odd stack some. Um, so that first series will be very important just to figure out exactly what they're doing and how we're going to adjust offensively. Um, but, you know, very good defensively. Uh, have been for, for several years. You know, last year they gave us fits, um, moving around and doing different things. And, um, you know, we'll be a little more prepared for that this year. How much do you guys, How much do your guys know – about the carrot at the end of this game as far as win this game you set yourself up in a great spot to be second if clinton falls then you could even possibly win the district but a win on friday night goes a long way in getting to play one of those playoff games at home yeah i mean it's not something that we necessarily talk about we we we, i think it's just kind of common knowledge um you know we know they know we all know um but at the end of the day it's a football game. We're going to play it Friday night, and, and everything's going to go on the table. We're going to give it everything we got, and whatever happens, happens. However, um, everybody in that room knows the implications. All right. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. Head coach Zach Maynard of the Big Oaks joining us here for a couple of minutes. Just to clarify, Friday night. Friday night. Okay. Friday it's night. not Thursday. Not Thursday anymore. It's Fridays. Someone call Cade. <laughs> Fridays. and Fridays. You know what? Hopefully there is one more Thursday. Hopefully there is one more Thursday night game. That oh well okay I see where you're going. Yeah, seven o'clock at uh, UCO Thursday. What is it? I can't remember what the date is. The thirtieth of November. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew somebody would know. <laughs> All right, thanks, Coach Maynard. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow. Skinny on Sports right here on the Sports Animal. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered up.